In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes 7, verses 1 through 10. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons Podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. All right, so diving into Ecclesiastes 7. Can we get just a brief overview of what this chapter is about, Joey? Yeah, so th- this is there's a lot in here. I think the overview uh, for chapter 7 is this is about choices here, about options that you have. And uh, Solomon has worked hard to lay out the, the parameters of, of this reality, the reality that we live in. So what he does in chapter 7 is talk a lot about the choices that we have in front of us as a response to that reality. Ecclesiastes 7, verses 1 through 6. A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. And this too is futility. I think there's a lot of rich stuff in here. And I think the thing to start out with is there, these, these are a series of what we are calling the commentary, which you can find on the BibleSays.com. We, we call them tov sayings. So tov is the Hebrew word for good. And, and it's what's used here uh, to translate it as better. And so what's important is when Solomon is presenting each of these pairs, he's not saying one is, is good, the other is bad. He's saying one is gooder than the other one. Uh, so he's saying that both of these are good things, and both of these things are realities we, we need to celebrate about life. But one of them uh, has more value than the other. And some of those, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty clear. Uh, you know, the, the mind of fools is, is not as good of a thing as the heart of the wise. That's, that's a pretty straightforward, some that we understand. But then some of these seem... seem wrong, we would maybe order them a little bit differently. And I think that's part of what Solomon's trying to do here, is to get our attention, uh, to put us into what we would call with our servant leadership tools, system two, and have us think about why he might be ordering these things in the way that that he is. Yeah, so why is a funeral better than a party? And why is it better to mourn than laugh? And I think what, what he's trying to do here is tell us that we should have an investment mentality to life. And we're, we're going to see more of that as, as we go through Proverbs. And you begin with the end in mind. What is your there? What are you trying to accomplish? And when you're at a party, it's good 
it's it's enjoyable, but what is that party going to do to help you get to your ultimate there? On the other hand, when you go to a funeral, you're looking at your own exit. Mm. And it, the funeral causes you to say, what do I want people to say about me when I'm gone? Is it going to be one of these funerals that you go to where they're really trying hard to come up with something good to say? (laughs) 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 Or is it going to be one of those funerals where, man, this is an inspiring life. And, you know, that it's good to enjoy yourself, but it's better to really have a focus on what am I doing with my life that's going to count? Dave talks a lot in the Servant Leadership book about the difference between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Mm. And the idea of resume virtues is what are the things that I've done? And eulogy virtues is who is this person? What has their character been? And how can we recognize uh, who they are as a person and the contribution they've made to our community and to this world um, through the life that they've lived as opposed to just the accomplishments they've checked off the list. So we're we're a couple of weeks, I guess, away from the Euro Cup, uh, the big soccer tournament in Europe that they do every few years. And Kylie and I are planning on having a party. We we've collected <laughs> flags from all of the countries we've visited around the world, and the, you know, once every two years, Kylie lets me hang up all the flags in our apartment, <laughs> and we bring people over and we have we have a party. It's fun. Yeah. And we're looking forward to it, and mm-hmm. we, we enjoy it. Yeah, and that's good. And it's good. It's not, again, it's not good, it, bad. Yeah. It, it's good. But, but think about as solemn as it is when, when we attend a funeral, you, there's always a conversation about this person's life and, and mm-hmm. how it impacted others. And there's always a sense of contemplation about what I'm doing to impact others and what people might say at my funeral. And so as solemn as it is, it's better because it's more meaningful. Yeah. It's just more significant. And the, the, the Euro Cup party is going to be great. Yeah. That's a part of life as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. And part of what Solomon's saying here too is like, if life is this grand opportunity, then this funeral is this, it's the finish line. What happens when you cross the finish line at a marathon? Everybody celebrates. Yeah. You get a little medal immediately. Like right. it's, it's a party. It's a celebration mm-hmm. of the difficult journey that's come. And a party is kind of like one of the checkpoints along the way. It's great. Yeah. But the, the the finish line of that marathon is the funerals where you get to celebrate the entire the entire journey. My dad passed away a few years ago. And going for hikes when we were kids was a big thing. He always took us out into the woods and we would follow the river and we would never stay on the path ever. You had to forge your own way. And you would cross over all the fallen logs and and you would, you know, cross over all the rocks over the river. And every time there was an opportunity, if you fell in, you got a soaker and, and you got wet, but you kept going. And and uh, after he passed away, um, after the funeral, every, we, my brothers and I took a hike. Mm-hmm. And we went to the same river that we went to when we were kids. And we crossed over the logs and we, you know, did the rocks. And some of us got wet and... And it was so much fun to do this thing and remember this thing that we had had such a deep connection with my dad with. And we got there to this point that we chose and we sprinkled some ashes and and we just comp- contemplated and grieved together. And ever since, every single year, um, I'm not always there because I don't live uh, in Canada anymore, but my brothers go out and some of my brother's friends who my dad highly impacted their lives, like 
every single year on the day that my dad passed away, a bunch of them will go mm. out and they will they'll grieve together. They'll remember the mm. impact that my dad had on them. Um, and that that brings so much deeper connection um, to their relationship, coming together and remembering um, and grieving together than just like sitting at the bar on a Friday night and having a couple beers and laughing or watching a game. Um, it's just more meaningful. Well, and, and uh, it's better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than listen to the song of fools. Now, in our world, you see lots of people with earbuds in. If you're if you're one of if you've got your earbuds in and you're listening to this, uh, you're listening to Solomon's rebuke of wise people, and so you're you're you're, uh, <laughs> you're embracing this idea as we all are together because uh, Ecclesiastes is challenging. Uh, but you know, a lot of times I think people have earbuds in and they're just listening to music because it's a distraction. Mm. And life can be tough. It's a rat race. There's uh, responsibilities. There's disappointments. And sometimes it feels really good just to get distraction, but that doesn't really solve anything. Uh, the problems are still there when your distraction's over. So what, what Solomon's saying here is, uh, why don't you go seek some reality? Well, why, don't you, why don't you go look for... Uh, What's true? Why don't you embrace what is? And wise people are going to help you find that. Go seek someone that will speak the truth to you. It won't feel good. But that's way better than this just song. As the song's like a crackling of a thorn bush under a pot. Thorn bushes burn up really fast. The song is over in three minutes. And then your problems are still there. So... Uh, we like to say in the servant leadership training, current reality is an acquired taste. Mm. And what Solomon's saying is here is acquire the taste to see things as they are. And when you do, you can actually do something about it. You can make choices based on reality. Well, another one of our servant leadership tools is the Project Mood Curve, uh, where we talk about just the inevitability that any project or relationship or thing that we do as a human has this trajectory, and part of it includes difficulty. That we call it the, the pit of despair. And a lot of times, as humans, we try so hard to just short, like to just shortcut over the pit of despair to avoid it altogether. And so we listen to that three-minute song. We throw another three-minute song on. We watch. You know, we just we're trying <laughs> uh -huh. so hard to avoid things that feel uncomfortable and sorrowful. But we also say that if you're in a relationship, for example, with the when we use the Project Mood Curve, we say intimacy develops in the pit of despair. Yeah. And it says this here, sorrow is better than laughter for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Even though you might not like what you're going through, you're probably learning. You're being challenged. You're having to think. You're at least off of the complacent carousel. You're, you're out of the apathy, the lukewarmness that God talks about spitting people out of his mouth. What, what sorrow does is it sort of activates you to ask these kinds of questions and to consider these types of things. And I think that's what Solomon is getting at here. When you go through the pit of despair, it's, it's difficult, but you should, the only way around it is through it. And you learn and you grow and you get deeper into truth uh, by, by exploring it with boldness and, and honesty. It, and it becomes a bit of a habit. I, I'm hearing you guys 
talk about your experiences and adventures together, and a lot of them sound hard. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, but it sounds like you've learned that actually deliberately doing hard things creates these rewards that are lasting. Well, that's a little, that's a little, uh, uh, image, a little, a little parable for what Solomon's trying to say here is that that's the way life is as a whole. Embrace hard things, listen to reality make good choices in reality, that's where happiness actually comes from. Moving on. 7 through 10. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, Why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Well, I love chapter, uh, I'm sorry, I love verse 10. Do not say, why were the former days, why is it that the former days were better than these? So here's here's a biblical uh, directive from Solomon. Do not say, oh, for the good old days. (laughs) Okay. Now, let's just talk about why the, that is smart reality. First of all, your memory weeds out a vast majority of everything that actually happened. Mm. You only remember a few things, the things that had a lot of emotional content. They may be happy. They may be sad. And when you think back to things, your mind fills in all the stuff that's gone with kind of new new assumptions. So the old days aren't what you remember. So that that's number one. Absolutely. <laughs> you're forgetting you're forgetting a bunch of stuff and if you went back there you would remember, "Oh, this really wasn't anywhere near as good as what I was thinking," right? So that's one. Two, uh the you can't go back. Yeah. You know, those days are gone, and if you if you try to change the past, now you're living in non-reality, and you've you've sacrificed the choices you can make now. So the worst thing you can do is live in the future because it doesn't exist. This is C.S. Lewis. The next worst thing you can do is live in the past, even though it was real, and you can learn things from the past, but you can't change the past. Where eternity meets reality is now, and you want to live in the present. Yeah, that's well said. I, we tend to make an idol out of one experience <laughs> that we found a, a semblance of of meaning or joy from. And Kylie and I have been on a lot of great experiences. We traveled the world and and with an organization, and a lot of people who go through that journey spend the rest of their lives trying to get back to that journey, but living in a totally different circumstance, a totally different future mm. from, from what they had left behind. And so we, we have to, what this is encouraging us to do is live in the present, right? There, there, are, there is beauty, there is opportunity, there is the presence of God where you are today. You don't have to go back to like the summer camp that you found God when you were in middle school. That's not the only place that he dwells. He dwells everywhere. 
Uh, and so if we're not finding him, that's not an issue of circumstance. That's an issue of perspective. Yeah, and we've got some more Tobe sayings here. Um, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. So, you know, that's you can't get to the end without the start. And so a lot of times uh, I find when I, when I want to see something happen, I just start and uh, usually make multiple changes before you get to what you find out, what you really were trying to do. So action and momentum and inertia are, are important. We, we, we saw that in some of the earlier verses. But if all you do is start stuff and you never finish anything, then that doesn't really get you anywhere. So it's good to start stuff, but it's better to see it through to the end. I mean, that, that's kind of a practical thing that he says here. Yeah, another one in here is patience is better than haughtiness. And I think the real element that we're talking about, once again, is time. And Tim talks about this some in other areas where when, we're, when we encounter an emotion, time is of the essence, which means that time is an important thing. And that's what this is talking about. Haughtiness is usually a quick reaction to an emotion. Patience is long suffering. It's a it's give yourself a little bit of time. Let yourself think about what you're feeling and how you can respond to it. And that's it's better. It usually works out better. We always tell this story of the first week that we lived in New York City on the news. There was a woman who ordered a hamburger. They were out of beef, so she went to her apartment next door, came back to the bodega, and smashed the front window with a baseball bat. <laughs> and Kaya, you know, we're watching this. It's it's funny. We're also like, this lady's in jail tonight thinking like, <laughs> man, a beef shortage. I'm here for because of a beef. And, and that's no, we do like we've all had that experience where we do something. We, th- we say to ourselves, we literally say to ourselves, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? And what what happened is we were quick mm. and where time would have done us a world of good if we had taken a couple of breaths and thought about what we were what we were thinking about you know, what we were initially reacting to do. Well, time gives you the opportunity to choose a proper perspective instead of just reacting based on your uh, predispositions, biases, and emotions. Well, it says anger resides in the bosom of fools. So uh, there's two things. One is it doesn't work, and the other is it causes you to do things that are very counterproductive. So that's not where you want to go. In our servant leadership training about how to use emotions, we use the little acronym LID, put a lid on your emotions. And by that, we do not mean suppress your emotions. You never (laughs) want to do that. But just a a way to remember L-I-D-D, LID, listen to your emotions. It's always important to listen to them. Investigate what value has been tripped. If your emotions are flaring, it's because some value has been tripped. And so that buys you time. That buys you time to think, okay, why, why am I angry or why am I sad or why am I whatever happening? Um, and then decide what to do based on your values. The emotions usually suggest an action. It's almost always a bad idea, whatever that action was, because it's haughty. It's, it's resp- reactive, and uh, it, it's, it's out of your me circle normally. Well, what you want to do is move over to the, okay, I, how, what action, I know I need to do something. My emotions told me I need to do something. But what, what, what action will move me towards my there? You know, what, what, what action is going to get me where I want to go? And the action may be 
to decide to forgive somebody and just let it pass. That's still an action, though. And then dismiss. I, when I first started learning this, I would say, I would actually say out loud, you know, uh, hey, thank you for doing your job. I appreciate you being vigilant, speaking to my emotions. <laughs> you know, uh, I want you to keep doing your work, but, I, but I'll take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what is zooming out just a little bit, in these 10 verses, all of these Tov sayings, they're, they're choices. And I think that is that is a big part of, of what Solomon is putting on our plate here, is here are some options, here are the, and here are the better choices. And sometimes we often think of choices, again, as these choices between good choices, bad choices. Sometimes it's just a good, good choice, right? Like, do I go to this place or do I go to that place? And it's difficult to discern what is better. But what, is, what Solomon is, is doing here is saying, look, in light of all of the things that we've talked about in the first six chapters, you have choices to make in that arena. And so you have to go make these choices. And I'm giving you a head start of how to evaluate which ones are, are better than other ones. But this surely isn't an exhaustive list of, of options that you're going to face throughout your lifetime. The key, though, is you got to choose. you got to make a choice based on your values, based on uh, the reality of the world as it's presented to you. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.